0: This podcast transmission contains childish language, adult content, psychological nudity, listener discretion is advised. And now for Australia's most exciting podcast, Life Down Under. Please welcome soon to be National Hall of Fame inductee and this evening's podcast host, Gray Stanton.
1: So today we are here together at the EMA the European Medicine Agency, to plea for uh, a withdrawal of the conditional marketing authorization for experimental uh, injections based on uh, vector gene therapy or uh, mRNA, uh, lipid nanoparticle based gene therapy. A lot of Holocaust survivors have a deja vu feeling uh, that um, in the turmoil of the 40s, the Second World War, a lot of atrocities, were committed against uh, mainly Jewish people. Um, Moreover, a lot of these atrocities were under the guise of medical experiments. Uh, Medical experiments of the 16 categories uh, stated in the Nuremberg Code, three of them were about immunization. And what we're seeing now, these experiments, trying to immunize uh, people with gene therapy, um, is, uh, is something of grave concern especially when we look at the numbers of the, the VAERS database or yellow card or uh, in the, the case of the EMA the Eudra vigilance now the numbers are exceeding uh, 30,000 casualties after injection and of course we have a, we have a debate whether that is the root cause but if we look at other uh, experimental therapies they were stopped after a few casualties so what is happening here is really reminiscent of the holocaust
2: well ladies and gentlemen welcome i'm grace stanton and what you just heard was a soundbite of representative willem Engel from virus for Hyde in amsterdam on 25th of august 2021 conducting a handover with the holocaust survivors submitting their letter to the european medical agency the ema and the UK's Medical and Healthcare Product Regulatory Agency, the MHRA, demanding a halt to the COVID-19 vaccine rollout following the FDA's decision to grant full approval to new batches of Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines. The Holocaust survivors have joined lawyers such as Dr. Reiner Fulmick, Dr. Richard Fleming, and many others, including world-renowned Professor Luc Montagnier the recipient for the 2008 Nobel Prize in Medicine for his discovery of the human immunodeficiency virus, who are further demanding the International Criminal Court charge world governments with crimes against humanity, genocide and breaches of the Nuremberg Code. Attorneys Melinda C. Main and Kyra S. Callum submitted a 27-page request for investigation to the International Criminal Court, the ICC, at The Hague back in April, 2021, alleging the UK government and its advisors were complicit in crimes against humanity in the name of COVID-19. The COVID-19 injections are currently under what is known as conditional marketing authorization in Europe and temporary authorization in the United Kingdom, meaning they are authorized for emergency use only because of the fact they will remain in phase three clinical trials until 2023. The Holocaust survivors stated that immunisation of the entire planet has never before been accomplished by delivering a synthetic mRNA, as invented by Dr. Robert Malone, into the human body. It is a medical experiment to which the Nuremberg Code must be applied. Quote, We, the survivors of the atrocities committed against humanity during the Second World War by the Nazis, experience a deja vu that is so horrifying that we rise to shield our fellow humans, close quote. In the letter to the EMA, the authors list 22 serious adverse events that were known to the FDA prior to emergency use authorization, yet were not made known to the public, ladies and gentlemen, including the vaccine-enhanced disease, stroke, myocarditis, acute multitude system inflammatory syndrome in children, Guillain-Barre syndrome, autoimmune conditions, and pregnancy and birth outcomes, as has been previously revealed here at the Daily Exposé. The Holocaust survivors write that the degree of risk to be taken should never exceed that determined by the humanitarian importance of the problem to be solved. Vaccination against COVID has proven to be more dangerous than COVID for approximately 99% of all humans. As documented by Johns Hopkins in a study of 48,000 children, children are at zero risk from the virus. Your own data shows that children who are at no risk from the virus, have had heart attacks following vaccination. More than 15,000 have suffered adverse events, including more than 900 serious events. At least 16 adolescents have died following vaccination in the United States. The signatories add that according to principle 10 of the Nuremberg Code, medical experiments must be terminated whenever, quote, a continuation of the experiment is likely to result in injury, disability, or death to the experimental subject." Close quote. They also further stressed that vaccine mandates violate the right to voluntary consent under the Nuremberg Code, quote, "...without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or concern." Quote. Ladies and gentlemen, If 80 years ago it was the Jews who were demonised as spreaders of infectious diseases, today it is the unvaccinated. The authors who include concentration camp survivors, their sons, daughters and grandchildren state, quote, It is obvious to us that another holocaust of greater magnitude is taking place before our very eyes. The majority of the world's populace do not yet realise what is happening. For this kind of organised crime is beyond their scope of experience. We, however, know. Some of us have personal memories. Close quote. The letter is addressed to Mrs. Ema Cook, Executive Director at the European Medicines Agency, the EMA, and copied to Dr. Raymond Bruin, Director of Swiss Medic in Switzerland, and Dr. June Rain, Interim Chief Executive of the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency in the UK. The survivors concluded their letter with a plea to Miss Cook, the true number of vaccine casualties, and asked, How many will be enough to awaken your conscience? Ladies and gentlemen, here is one of the Holocaust survivors of Joseph Mengele's experiments, with the letter as sent to the EMA and the MHRA by Holocaust survivors in full.
3: We for humanity. We are an international association of lawyers, doctors scientists, journalists, as well as representatives of other professions. We represent interests of all people in the world who aspire to live in freedom, self-determination, dignity, and truthfulness. August 25th, 2021. Stop Holocaust. Ladies and gentlemen we the survivors of the atrocities committed against humanity during the second world war feel bound to follow our conscience and write this letter it's obvious to us that another holocaust of greater magnitude is taking place before our eyes the majority of the world's populace do not yet realize what is happening for magnitude of an organized crime such as this is beyond their scope of experience. We, however, we know. We remember the name of Joseph Mengele. Some of us have personal memories. We experience a déjà vu that's so horrifying that we rise to shield our poor fellow humans. The threatened innocents now include children as well as even infants. In just four months, the COVID-19 vaccines have killed more people than all available vaccines combined from the mid-1997 se- until the end of 2013, a period of 15 and a half years. And people worse affected are between 18 and 64 years old. The group which wasn't in the COVID statistics. We call upon you to stop this ungodly medical experiment on humankind immediately. What you call vaccination, can SARS cough 2 is in truth a blasphemic encroachment into nature. Never before has immunization of the entire planet been accomplished by delivering a fantastic mRNA into the human body. It's a medical experiment to which the Nuremberg Code must be applied. The 10 ethical principles in this document represent the foundational code of medical ethics that was formulated during the Nuremberg Doctors' Trial to ensure that human beings will never be subjected again to involuntary medical experiment procedures. Principle 1 of the Nuremberg Codex. A. The voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. This means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent, should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of an element of force, fraud, deceit, juris, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. B. This latter element requires that before the acceptance of an affirmative decision by the experimental subject, there should be made known to him the nature, duration, and purpose of the experiment, the method and means by which it is to be conducted, all inconveniences and hazards reasonably to be expected, and the effects, effects upon this health or person which may possibly come from his participation in the experiment. See. The duty and responsibility for ascertaining the quality of the consent rests upon each individual who initiates, directs or engages in the experiment. It's a personal duty and responsibility which may not be delegated to another with impunity. A. There's no question of a free decision. Mass media spread fear and panic and use the role of Goebbels' propaganda by repeating untruths until they are believed. For weeks now, they have been calling the ostracism of the unvaccinated. The the 80 years ago, it was the Jews we were demonized as spreaders of infectious diseases. Today, it's the unvaccinated, who are being accused of spreading the virus. Physical integrity, freedom to travel, Freedom to work. All coexistence has been taken away from people in order to force vaccination upon them. Children are being enticed to get vaccinated against their parents' judgment. B. The terrible 22 side effects already listed in the FDA emergency youth authorization were not disclosed to the subject of the experimental trial we list those below the benefit of the world public. By definition, there has never been an informed consent. In the meantime, thousands of side effects recorded in numerous databases are on record. While the so-called case numbers are being bleeped in 30-minute intervals by all mass media, there is neither any mentioning of the serious side effects, nor how and where the side effects are to be reported. As far as we know, even recorded damages have been deleted on a large scale in every database. Principle 6 of the Nuremberg Code requires the degree of risk to be taken should never exceed that determined by humanitarian importance of the problem to be solved by the experiment. Vaccination against COVID has proven to be more dangerous than COVID for approximately 99% of all humans. As documented by Johns Hopkins in a study of 48,000 children, children are at zero risk from the virus. Our own data show that children who are at no risk from the virus have had heart attacks following vaccination. More than 15,000 have suffered adverse events, including more than 900 serious events. At least 16 adolescents have died following vaccination in the U.S. Of A. Principle 10 of the code During the course of the experiment, the scientists in charge must be prepared to terminate the experiment at any stage. If he has probable cause to believe in the exercise of good faith, superior skill and careful judgment required of him, that the continuation of the experiment is likely to result in injury, disability or death to the experimental subject. Allegedly Around 52% of the world population has received at least one shot. Honest disclosure of the true number of vaccine injured, terminally injured as well, as deceased worldwide is long overdue. There are millions in the meantime. Provide us with true numbers of COVID vaccine casualties now. How many will be enough? to awaken your conscience. And now the list of adverse effects being known to the FDA before the emergency appeal: Guillain-Barré syndrome, transverse myelitis, encephalitis, convulsions, seizures, stroke, narcolepsy and cataplexy, anaphylaxis, acute myocardial infection, Myocarditis, pericarditis, autoimmune disease, death, team, pregnancy and birth outcome, other acute demyelinating disease, non-anaphylactic allergic reaction, thrombocytopenia, disseminated intravascular coagulation, venous thrombolism, arthritis, arthritic joint pain. Kawasaki disease, multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, vaccine-enhanced disease. This letter is signed by concentration camp survivors, their sons, daughters and grandchildren, even person of good wills and conscience. Thank you.
1: Okay. Yes, please. Can you give it to her? Mm-hmm. This is Mefra Sigal. We also represented her in the court. She lost many family members, uh, not only in the camps but also in the experiments uh, of Josef Mengele. Yes, so she is uh, uh, one of the people represented by this letter. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you, you very much.
4: taking good care of it and bringing it to the right person to take care of it. Yeah, I will. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Well, ladies and gentlemen, talk about an incredible, incredible uh, lot of information that has been shared there. As stated by Don and Sandra Hockenberry, who are both uh, psychologists, an emotion is a complex psychological state that involves three distinct components, a subjective experience, a physiological response and a behavioral or expressive response. And that lady there, that is a survivor of the Holocaust from World War II under Josef Mengele, certainly draws those three responses in quick time. Uh, one will certainly have to uh, fight back the tears on what has just been read in that letter. But on that note, there is a genocidal bombshell that has just been released publicly. John Hopkins data confirms that COVID-19 vaccines are causing surge of illnesses and deaths. In over 100 countries worldwide, John Hopkins database show record spike in infections, hospitalizations, and deaths in the vaccinated. As we were discussing in the intro last week's podcast with Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of the mRNA, he was crystal clear that it was the vaccinated that were the risk and not the unvaccinated. In some countries, it levels the two to one ratio to the unvaccinated. It is a fact that Dr. Anthony Fauci ordered the construction of COVID-19 at the Wuhan lab in China with Dr. Peter Daszak and that weapon was released, an unrestricted bio weapon on humanity to bring in the great reset. Now, tonight we're going to discuss how covid 19 is directly linked to h1n1 swine flu because for those of you who might remember the fake 2009 h1n1 swine flu pandemic was about manipulating the data to justify a worldwide public health emergency now this is personal to me also because in late 2007 early 2008 i was admitted to a hospital in canada and that's exactly what i had I was as sick as a dog. But lucky for me, the temperature plummeted so low to almost minus 30 degrees centigrade that I actually pulled through. But unfortunately for some in Ontario, Canada, they died. So, for those of you that remember the unusual circumstances surrounding the April 2009 H1N1 swine flu pandemic, the media disinformation, it was an atmosphere of fear and intimidation that much I absolutely remember corruption at the highest levels in government and the medical fraternity the data was manipulated plain and simple in july 2009 the world health organization director general predicted with authority that as many as 2 billion people could become infected over the next two years that's nearly one-third of the world population folks it was a multi-billion bonanza for big pharma for pfizer supported by the World Health Organization's Director General, Margaret Chan. In 2009, Margaret Chan made the following statement. On the basis of expert assessments of the evidence, the scientific criteria for an influenza pandemic have been met. I have therefore decided to raise the level of influenza pandemic alert from phase five to phase six. The world is now at the start Of the 2009 influenza pandemic it's almost as if she's announcing it to be like the guys are on a race track getting ready in their motor cars to go around in circles i mean that's who we're dealing with folks there's nothing has changed certainly not before my time and not during and not now so then it begs the question What expert assessments? In a subsequent statement, she confirmed, and I'll quote here what she said, vaccine makers could produce 4.9 billion pandemic flu shots per year in the best case scenario. And that turned up in Reuters on the 21st of July, 2009. In case for those of you that are the morons out there that want to fact check what I say, good luck. Because everything that I say, you're going to be sadly mistaken and you're going to learn the hard way, realizing that everything that's on this podcast is 100% scientific fact. There are no opinions on life down under, folks, especially when you're looking at the families in other states across Australia that are losing loved ones to suicide because of morons like Daniel Andrews who think they're right and that everybody else is wrong. When the reality is, it's not that he's right or wrong, he's just corrupt. So, moving along, a financial windfall for big pharma vaccine producers, including Glaxo, SmithKline. Those of you that know anything or don't know about Glaxo, SmithKline, for those of you that brush your teeth with the toothpaste, says GSK, that's them. And Novartis, Merck Co., Sanofi, and Pfizer, and others. Fake news, fake statistics, lies at the highest levels of government. The media went immediately into high gear during this period, without a shred of evidence, fear and uncertainty. Public opinion was deliberately misled. And that's exactly what has been going on for the last 18 months. Swine flu could strike up to 40% of Americans over the next two years, and as many as several hundred thousand could die if a vaccine campaign and other measures aren't successful. And that was the official statement of the Obama administration, which was in the Associated Press, dated 24 july 2009 the u.s expects to have 160 million doses of swine flu vaccine available sometime in october again that was in the associated press quote unquote 23 july 2009 so wealthier countries such as the united states and great britain will pay just ten dollars per dose of the h1n1 flu vaccine developing countries will pay a lower price circa of $40 billion for Big Pharma, and that was published in the Business Week, July 2009. But the pandemic never happened, ladies and gentlemen. There was no pandemic affecting 2 billion people. Millions of doses of swine flu vaccine had been ordered by national governments from Big Pharma. Millions of vaccine doses were subsequently destroyed, a financial bonanza for big pharma, an expenditure crisis for national governments. There was no investigation into who was behind this multi-billion dollar fraud. Sound awfully familiar, doesn't it? Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, ladies and gentlemen. And they're just one entity, by the way. They're not the sole entity, but there are certainly a large chunk of it. Several critics said that the H1N1 pandemic was fake, and it was. The Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, known as PACE, P-A-C-E, a human rights watchdog, is publicly investigating the World Health Organization's motives in declaring a pandemic. Indeed, the chairman of its Influential Health Committee, Epidemiologist Wolfgang Wodag has declared that the false pandemic, quote unquote, is, quote, one of the greatest medicine scandals of the century, close quote. And that was in the Forbes, February 10, 2010. And then again, there was a statement that was released on January 2010. To be specific, it was released 22 January 2010. Statement of the World Health Organization on allegations of conflict of interest and fake pandemic. Now, being an investigator myself, when we conduct investigations and interrogations of individuals and groups, the one thing that we look for when we're interviewing someone is syntax error. It is an exact science that's been around for a very long time. And I mean a long time folks, we're talking centuries and it works. It spares you a lot of grief. If you're a person that has an acute ear, you can simply sit on a chair or a couch in the same room, and just lie back and relax and listen to what the people say. In this case, when they write something, it's the same thing. Syntax error. Now, I'm not going to divulge the secrets of how we come to the conclusions of being able to catch people out in a lie, but I can tell you this, that it's staring right back at you in plain sight and it's something that happens and appears in a letter or in conversation until you get the stenographer to Have the transcription of what they or he or she said and it stares right back out at you and you cannot miss it but the uh the last line in this uh statement by the world health organization in dated 22 january 2010 says additional allegations that the world health organization created a fake pandemic to bring economic benefit to industry are scientifically wrong and historically incorrect. That statement there is so easy to pull apart and see that whoever wrote it is lying through their teeth. And it just allows you to then drag their ass back in and ask them very specific questions and within a matter of minutes they are sweating. The fundamental issue we must address pertaining to both present as well as previous public health emergencies are the following. Can we trust the Western media today? The answer, no. Can we trust the World Health Organization? No. Can we trust the pharmaceutical companies? Absolutely not. The same people and institutions, including the Gates Foundation, who today are pushing for the COVID-19 vaccine, were actively involved in support of the H1N1 vaccine. Now, there was an article that was published by Michelle Shuzudovsky, who has uh, global research. He is a very well-known professor that was at one of the universities in Canada, I believe uh, Ottawa, Ottawa University, and he published an article dated 25 August 2009, and the title of that article was The H1N1 Swine Flu Pandemic, subtitled Manipulating the Data to Justify a Worldwide Public Health Emergency. Now, what's really interesting is that in the conclusion, there were reports from Britain by prominent physicians to the author, suggesting that doctors and epidemiologists in the United Kingdom at that time were being threatened and that they risked being fired for the National Health Authorities if they were to speak out and reveal the falsehoods underlying the data as well as government statements. What we are dealing with is a big lie, a process of generating fake data which is then used to justify a nationwide vaccination program. The political and corporate interests behind this worldwide public health emergency must be the target of citizens' actions. This public health emergency is not intended to protect humanity, ladies and gentlemen. The world is at a crossroads right now of a major economic and social crisis. The worldwide public health emergency serves to divert public opinion from the real crisis, which is affecting the world's people. This crisis is characterized by rising poverty and unemployment and the collapse in social services. Not to mention a US-NATO multi-trillion dollar high-tech war without borders, which includes the preemptive first-strike use of nuclear weapons. The dramatic causes and consequences of the real crisis, which in real sense threaten the future of humanity, must remain unheralded. Both the economic crisis and the Middle East-Central Asian War are on the object of routine and persistent media distortion and camouflage. In contrast, the H1N1 swine flu, despite its relatively mild and benign impacts, is depicted as major save the world endeavor. And that's pretty much where that article ends. So again, I've given you quite a good amount of information uh, there for for that so far. I think it's now time to go to a break, ladies and gentlemen, and we will be back shortly.
5: Dr. Reiner Fulmich is the public frontman for an international team comprised of hundreds of lawyers and medical experts who have begun legal proceedings over the CDC, the WHO, and the Davos Group for committing crimes against humanity. The protocol for the PCR test given by the WHO and the CDC was knowingly set to a level that guaranteed 100% false positives or false negatives. So there is no pandemic. This is all about getting people to take the shot. Their argument is that we are at the very least being subjected to an illegal experiment. And at the worst, global genocide. Dr. Fomick points out how the experimental jab is in clear violation of all 10 of the Nuremberg Codes, which carry the penalty of death for those who violate them. Number one, voluntary consent is absolutely essential. There should be no intervention or any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, or any form of constraint or coercion. By definition, a vaccine must provide immunity to the virus, protect recipients from getting the virus, reduce deaths, infections, circulation, and transmission of the virus. We are told the experimental jab does none of these, yet they fraudulently call it a vaccine. As far as duress, constraint, and coercion, it's everywhere. If you want your life back, get the shot. Number two, the experiment should be such as to yield fruitful results unprocurable by other methods. The most fruitful method would be a healthy immune system which can be achieved through good health and natural supplements such as vitamin D, vitamin C, and zinc. But the people are not being told this in fact, those who pointed out are being vilified and silenced. Number three, the experiment should be designed and based on the results of animal experimentation. This experimental jab skipped animal testing. Number four, the experiment should be so conducted as to avoid all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury. According to official reports, there are already thousands of deaths and over a quarter million injuries from this experiment. Number five, no experiment should be conducted where there is an a priori reason to believe that death or disabling injury will occur. Past trials have shown a strong possibility that these new spike proteins will cause a body to attack itself. This is known as antibody-dependent enhancement, or ADE and recent doctors have blown the whistle that this could end up killing everybody who's been vaccinated in the next two years. Number six, the risk should never exceed the benefit. COVID-19 has a 98 to 99% survival rate, less deadly than the seasonal flu. The experimental jab is already the most dangerous vaccine in VAERS 30 year history. Number seven, proper preparations should be made and adequate facilities provided to protect the experimental subject against even remote possibilities of injury, disability, or death. There were no preparations made. There are no facilities. The subject shows up for their shot and goes home. Number eight, the experiment should be conducted only by scientifically qualified persons. This experiment has been exclusively run by politicians, the media, Celebrities and big pharma bureaucrats. Number nine, the subject should be at liberty to bring the experiment to an end. Thousands of medical experts have attempted to end this madness, and their voices continue to be silenced. Number ten, the experiment must be brought to an end if resulting in injury or death. And yet, the experiment pushes on. Once again, Those who violate these international laws are subject to the death penalty. Legal proceedings are moving forward and evidence is being collected. Whistleblowers are directed to contact the international team at www.securewhistleblower.com. This is likely the biggest crime ever committed against the world population. And the question is, do we still have a judicial system to exact justice? This is Greg Reese
2: now welcome back ladies and gentlemen we're now uh going to be moving into the guts of the connection between the h1n1 swine flu vaccines of 2009 and its connection to the leaked documents courtesy of another insider regarding the terms of pfizer's international vaccine agreements with countries right across the globe back in 2009 i was fortunate to be in receipt of a special report given to me by investigative journalist sherry kane the release date of this special report was dated 14 november 2009 and the date that it was mailed to me was the 12th of november 2009 with a release number of h1n1-33 and at the base it's stated for immediate release the title of this special report was as written, Vaccine Victims Blamed for National Emergency, subtitled Smoking Guns Indict Murdoch's Media in Deadly Corruption, and this was by Dr. Leonard G. Horowitz. And it says here, in Salem, Massachusetts in 1692, medical doctors failed to determine the cause of bizarre behaviour among youngsters in that town religious zealots steeped in their cult diagnosed satanic possession to justify criminal prosecutions and serial slayings. The publication of Why You Can't Get Swine Flu Vaccine in Rupert Murdoch's New York Post, dated 3rd of November 2009 by Robert Goldberg, the Vice President of the Center for Medicine in the Public Interest, proves how human intelligence has devolved since Salem's victims were blamed to popularize status quo psychopathology, social injustice, and mass murder, otherwise called institutionalized genocide. According to Goldberg, partnered with Peter Pitts, mainstream media's health pundits for consumer protection, the H1N1 national emergency declared by Barack Obama is due to fringe lunatics who think mercury is harmful when injected by vaccines, not vaccine shortages. Goldberg blames people like Dr. Leonard Horowitz for heralding mercury toxicity's links to neurodevelopmental and behavioral disorders in children. An example, autism. We are blamed for allegedly pressuring governors into ordering single versus multi-dose vials as if the government of the United States has ever listened to vaccine prohibitionists. The different vials have differing mercury concentrations, which indicts lacking industry standardization of heavy metal toxic mercury levels, evidencing gross criminal negligence rationalized by pseudoscience, and the single dose vials are more costly and time consuming to produce. Thus, we victims of mercury intoxication and vaccine injuries are blamed for the alleged Vaccine Shortage and National Model State Emergency Health Powers Act Implementation Advancing Across the Country. Then it has a subtitle, They Are Killing Us. It says here, I, as in Dr. Leonard G. Horowitz, suffers from eczema, a common condition linked by science to vaccine mercury and or injected foreign proteins causing multiple chemical sensitivities and autoimmune conditions. Vaccine-linked eczema now curses between 10 to 15% of the American people. And that statistic is much higher worldwide. Eczema is most often caused by vaccination intoxication. Human bodies are injected with mercury and foreign proteins that attach the normal body parts. The combination of mismatched protein parts forms an antigenic complex that is attacked by white blood cell bodyguards. This results in the vast majority of autoimmune diseases, including eczema. Such diseases profit petrochemical pharmaceutical industrialists. Dr. Horowitz's mother died of Guillain-Barre syndrome, GBS, from the 1976 swine flu vaccine campaign. Dr. Horowitz's sister-in-law was crippled with rheumatoid arthritis, RA, from a hepatitis B vaccine. He also states that his brother-in-law receives Canadian military compensation called multiple sclerosis MS. Dr. Horowitz's best friend has type 1 diabetes thanks to a flu shot. These illnesses are all autoimmune diseases proven in science to be linked to or caused by vaccinations. Dr. Horowitz testified briefly before the United States Congress on vaccine mercury's link to autism. He personally witnessed legislative officials' gross criminal neglect of the scientific study commissioned by the US Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, by Ver Stratton and others, titled Thimerosal VSD Study Phase 1 Update. Herein, definitive links between vaccine mercury intoxication and neurodevelopmental and behavioral disorders in children were reported. This report was originally censored then modified for subsequent official publications eliminating all findings condemning vaccine mercury thus keeping autism a medical mystery. Today, everyone practicing any form of natural medicine is endangered, ladies and gentlemen. We've got energy medicine is particularly suppressed along with paradigm shifting biophysics, hydrosonics, and electrogenetics that could eliminate widespread reliance on drug industrialists. Practitioners in these fields are persecuted for truth-telling about vaccine illnesses and deaths linked to mercury poisoning and antigenic complexes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is without doubt history repeating. Medical industry censorship and persecution is reminiscent of the mysterious Salem witch trials. Historians speculate a combination of events, including an untimely smallpox outbreak, created the climate for this public fright. 140 people were accused of witchcraft. 43 people were supposedly afflicted. 19 people were hanged. One person was pressed to death and 13 people died in prison and as many as 1,200 persons were victimized in other ways. What terminated this deadly madness is the same reason Rupert Murdoch's Yellow Press, the New York Post, published Robert Goldberg's Diatribe. Public support and false belief in the witches began to wane, as is happening now, with growing distrust of vaccines and fraudulent vaccine trials for the H1N1. The silent majority sees through transparent safety assurances and government intrusions into our lives. People are frightened and fed up with deadly disasters like the Merck Company, VIOXX, and the 1976 swine flu vaccine fraud, both certified by the US government. Respected Salem ministers started to believe that some innocent people were being accused and executed for witchcraft, primarily on unreliable spectral evidence, such as Goldberg presents. Today, confessions by doctors and scientists once worked for drug giants are truth-telling, whistle-blowing, and discrediting the vaccine makers and their safety assurances over the internet. As the reverend Increase Mather said, It were better than 10 suspected witches should escape than one innocent person should be condemned. Dr. Horowitz says it is better than 10 vaccine prohibitionists be condemned by medical madmen than one innocent child suffers neurodegeneration from vaccine mercury intoxication. The Salem Witch Trials website explained, quote, as the accusations mounted persons from all walks of life, rich and poor, beggar and merchant, were being accused. Additionally, the accused that originally confessed to witchcraft and requested to recant their former confessions. With public confidence in the trial slipping, the cries of the afflicted were steadily ignored and the accusations eventually stopped. End quote. So increasingly ridiculous accusations from the status quo, ladies and gentlemen, such as Robert Goldberg, vice president of the then Center for Medicine, Are disbelieved by increasing numbers of vaccine victims. The majority of people now seeing through Big Pharma's fear inflicting propaganda, exemplified by Rupert Murdoch's articles, wherein we the people are accused of madness, ignorance, and now allegedly causing a national emergency. Public confidence in medicine is at an all time low following the medically assisted demise of our parents, friends, and siblings. The leading cause of death today is drug induced illnesses. And these shocking statistics omit all vaccine injuries since officials criminally neglect surveying and reporting the sick and dying whose only mistake was their misplaced faith in medical deities. It is said that medicine has extended longevity, but degenerated quality of life. Medical mistakes have made death seem more appealing than drug additions and lethal side effects for millions. Rupert Murdoch's media-driven humanicide For those who don't know, Rupert Murdoch controls the majority of the American news media, ladies and gentlemen. Recently, investigative journalists, who I've already mentioned, Sherry Kane and Dr Horowitz, exposed gross conflicting interests between Rupert Murdoch and the global drug cartel. Pregnant women were tested for H1N1 vaccine side effects using a bogus study design at Elizabeth Murdoch's Royal Women's Hospital in Australia. Rupert Murdoch's daughter-in-law, Susan, oversees the Murdoch's Children's Research Institute, the MCRI, wherein infants and children were tested with H1N1 vaccines by Merck's subsidiary, CSL Incorporated. James Murdoch, heir apparent to Rupert's estate, oversees the board of directors of GlaxoSmithKline and other H1N1 swine flu vaccine maker. All of the above Murdoch affiliates administered fraudulent H1N1 vaccine studies that neglected placebo control groups and long-term surveillance to fraudulently erase statistically significant risks and provable adverse events. Rupert Murdoch is co-chairman of the David Rockefeller-founded Royal Family of England Chartered Partnership for New York City, the PFNYC. This is the world's most powerful biotechnology trust, the heart of the vaccine industry, genetopharmaceuticals, and mass media mind controlling social engineering. This is the heart of the American medical culture. Their prostitutes promote and prey on people's fear, magnify microbial menaces, and persecute natural healers and alternative care providers as though we are witches practicing witchcraft. Murdoch is a member of the Powerful Council on Foreign Relations, the CFR. He co-founded with the Rockefeller Brothers Fund, the Influential Population Council. The former is the potent US government think tank and policy director. The latter is the world's most active depopulation organization funded by the US government and the Rockefeller-related foundations and institutions. The Population Council's goal is to reduce populations by nearly two-thirds through intoxicating drugs and vaccines, including those that cause sterility. They advocate the 1977 book Ecoscience, co-authored by Barack Obama's administration science czar, John Holdren, calling for massive global depopulation using vaccinations for sterilization. It is simply a coincidence the new H1N1 vaccines containing the MF-59 adjuvant include Ninoxinol 9, spermicide linked to spontaneous abortions evidencing this group's power on 16 october 2009 a special gathering of cfr joint vaccine specialists and social engineers led by health media propagandist laurie garrett the group discussed the urgency of the vast majority americans rejecting vaccinations for the h1n1 they articulated the need to use shortage marketing i.e fraudulently claiming vaccine shortages to promote better public acceptance of the distrusted vaccines prior to this meeting the nation's vaccine supplies were reported ample after this meeting the media began administering shortage marketing and hypnotizing the panicked public into lining up for their shots another example official malfeasance at the highest levels of government involves the pfnyc co-chair Lloyd Blankfein, the chairman and CEO of Goldman Sachs & Co, whose manager of private client services, Linda Danes, is wife of New York State Health Commissioner Richard Danes. The Danes profit from vaccine sales to New York State legally another member of the PFNYC and other governments, including the US Federal Government, officially another member of PFNYC that stockpiles the H1N1 swine flu vaccine. Goldman Sachs, directed by Blankfein, was the largest shareholder in a deal they brokered in 2007 for the $15 billion sale of vaccine giant Metamune that produces AstraZeneca's H1N1 flumist. Ladies and gentlemen, if that special report does not make the hair on the back of your neck stand up and realize that this H1N1 was merely a dry run for the Kazarian banking elites that fund, that back the pharmaceutical industrial complex, then you might as well tune out because the next section that we're going to move into tonight are the leaked documents that reveal the shocking terms of Pfizer's international vaccine agreements regarding COVID-19. Let's take a break and on the other side, we will return.
4: i think you can trust
6: me what is it what
7: what is it about humanity that 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 wants to go to all the details and stuff and listen you know these guys like fauci get up there and start talking you know he doesn't know anything really about anything and i'd say that to his face nothing (laughs) the man thinks you can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope and if it's got a virus in there you'll know it he doesn't understand electron microscopy, and he doesn't understand medicine, and he, doesn't, he should not be in a position like he's in. <laughs> Most of those guys up there on the top are just total administrative people and they don't know anything about what's going on on the bottom. You know, those guys have got an agenda, which is not what we would like them to have, being that we pay for them to take care of our health in some way. They've got a personal kind of agenda. They make up their own rules as they go, they change them when they want to, and they smugly, like Tony Fauci does not mind going on television in front of the people that pay his salary and lie directly into the camera. But now is the time to do what you're told. You can't expect the sheep to really respect the best and the brightest. They don't know the difference, really. I mean, I, I like humans, don't don't get me wrong, but basically there is a there's a there's a vast the vast majority of them do not possess the the ability to judge who is and who isn't a really good scientist. I mean, that's the problem, that's the main problem, actually, with science, I'd say, in this century, because science is being judged by people, funding is being done by people who don't understand it. Okay, who do we trust? Fauci. Fauci doesn't know enough to, you know. If Fauci wants to get on television with somebody who knows a little bit about this stuff and debate him, he could easily do it, because he's been asked. And I've had a lot of people, president of the University of South Carolina asked about you if he would come down there and debate me on the stage in front of the student body because I wanted somebody who was from the other side to come down there and balance mine because I felt like, well, these guys can listen.
8: Lee Dundas, human rights attorney. Late last week, I am informed a meeting occurred between Orange County Health Officer Dr. Clayton Shaw and Orange County Board of Education Superintendent Alma Harris during which time they apparently tried to find a way to quote sidestep and entirely remove informed parental consent for the COVID vaccine and also turn Orange County school campuses into vaccination centers. The COVID-19 vaccine is an experimental medical protocol authorized under the Emergency Use Authorization Act and as such, you cannot mandate it for anyone, nor can you sidestep informed consent. There is a reason that kids cannot smoke, drive, drink, have sex, vote, or die for this country, and it is because the law says they lack the capacity to understand those decisions, and that applies here more than ever. Hear me loud and hear me well. We will not be morphing our school campuses into COVID vaccine centers for delivery of an experimental medical protocol that killed every damned ferret in the last animal study they did until such time they had to abandon that study, and and then they didn't even do the study this time around because we are the study. The last time humans launched a plan like this to conduct experimental medical protocols on vulnerable populations was in Joseph Mengele's direction. He was an MD known as the the Angel of Death, okay? And he was part of the SS. And in 1943, he was assigned to Auschwitz where he saw an opportunity to conduct gene research, quote, focused primarily on children with no regard for the health or safety of the victims. This is off the internet. You can Google it. You know what else is gene research? Experimental COVID vaccines with the trans gene side of it. If you don't believe me, go pull the EUA application for the J&J shot. I come from a long line of Eastern Europeans, Hungarians, and Romanian groups, groups that fled the persecution of the Red Terror communist death squads in the early 1900s. And those of us who didn't make it to America ended up facing the Nazi death squads in the lesser known Holocaust that was the Romani Holocaust. There is a reason my daughter is named Katia. Her Romani great-grandmother was Katerina Choma, and I, for one, have not forgotten the lessons of our history. The Third Reich did not end with experiments on children, nor when those children died. The Third Reich ended! In 1946 when we put the doctors who committed these human experiments on trial in Nuremberg and then we put them to death, it ended with the adoption of the Nuremberg Code so we would never repeat the sins of history. And it states, and I quote, the voluntary consent of this human subject is absolutely essential. Dr. Chow and Dr. Maharish, you are hereby on notice. Last week you appear to have knowingly hatched a plan to sidestep and or violate international, federal and state law, not just the Nuremberg informed consent language but also the black letter law, of the EUA, as well as California state law, which punishes, and I quote, the willful failure to obtain a subject's informed consent by imprisonment in county jail for one year, or the imposition of a $50,000 fine, or both. Through the planned insertion of experimental gene-altering protocols onto the very children, you were elected and charged with protecting and tonight we are asking the board of education for an immediate letter of censure to these individuals and if they don't resign for an immediate notice of termination and that letter also needs to go to the professional boards because they have no business being in these positions so help me god the people of orange county will hold this policy to account your time is up i'm aware
2: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are now into the home stretch of this episode uh, podcast. And now uh, we're going to go and dive into the publication that I received from Dr. Simone Gold and Dr. Mike Eden. Dr. Simone Gold is one of the founders with America's frontline doctors and Dr. Mike Eden was the former Pfizer vice president back from 2010. So this is a clip specific to the scale of the COVID-19 injection efficacy lie that was published in The Lancet. So here it is.
9: So when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccines, what should informed consent look like? Well, you should be informed of the risks, benefits, and side effects, as well as alternative treatments. You should be given information that's specific to you, as the risk from COVID-19 varies greatly with age and pre-existing conditions. And you have the right to know the potential benefit of any intervention. For example, Pfizer reported that its vaccine shows a 95% efficacy. That sounds like it protects you 95% of the time, right? But that's not actually what that number means. That 95% refers to the relative risk reduction, but it doesn't tell you how much your overall risk is reduced by vaccination. For that, we need absolute risk reduction. In the Pfizer trial, eight out of 18,198 people who were given the vaccine developed COVID-19. In the unvaccinated placebo group, 162 people got it, which means that even without the vaccine, the risk of contracting COVID-19 was extremely low at 0.88%, which the vaccine then reduced to 0.04%. So the net benefit or the absolute risk reduction that you're being offered with a Pfizer vaccine is 0.84%. That 95% number, that refers to the relative difference between 088 and 0.04%. That's what they call 95% relative risk reduction. And relative risk reduction is well known to be a misleading number, which is why the FDA recommends using absolute risk reduction instead. Which begs the question, how many people would have chosen to take the COVID-19 vaccines had they understood that they offered less than 1% benefit? You also have the right to know about alternative treatments. There's been great success using early treatment protocols, which include vitamin D and ivermectin, both of which have long-term safety data going back 40 years in over a billion people. Your consent needs to be voluntary. That means that you came to the decision freely and without duress or undue influence. You should never feel coerced, bribed, or threatened. The experimental nature of the COVID-19 vaccines needs to be clearly communicated. These vaccines are still officially in phase three trials as they lack long-term safety data. Um,
0: The side effects for the Moderna vaccine sound concerning. We looked after the second dose, at least 80% of participants experienced a systemic side effect, ranging from severe chills to fevers. So are these vaccines safe?
10: Well, the uh, the FDA not being pressured will look hard at that the FDA is the gold standard of regulators uh, and their current guidance on this if they stick with that is is very very appropriate uh, and you know the it the, the 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 side effects were not super severe that is it didn't cause permanent health problems for for uh, the things there, are, they, you know, Moderna did have to go with a fairly high dose. And so, uh, you know, to get the antibodies, some of the other vaccines uh, are going able to go with lower doses to get uh, responses that are, are pretty high, including the, the J&J and the Pfizer. And so there's a lot of characteristics of these vaccines. Um, it's great that we have multiple of them uh, that I are going everybody- out there and- Yes, I you, think you know the data the better than I
0: do, but the bill bill that the data show that everybody with a high dose had a, a side effect.
10: Yeah, but some of that is is not dramatic where, you know, it's just, you know, super painful. But yes, there we need to make sure there's not severe side effects. The FDA, uh, I, I, I think, will do a good job of that, uh, despite the pressure
4: argument that we've heard. The argument that we've heard is, well, COVID-19 is a bad illness, 600,000 people have died, the vaccine could help them, we should give it a a shot, come on, we should just give it a shot. While that 600,000 died, I've already told you 85% of that was preventable with early treatment, which was actively suppressed and squashed. The vaccine stakeholders, which are Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, AstraZeneca, and any others that come forward, the CDC, the FDA, and the NIH, and the White House. Massive vaccine stakeholders. You could throw in Gates Foundation, World Health Organization. You could throw those in as well. Massive stakeholders and they wanted everybody to be vaccinated without exception. No one will escape the needle. We've actually never had this before. The vaccine manufacturers are all linked. They're all uniquely indemnified. What medical product is there in indemnification where something happens to you, you don't have any recourse? You know, a woman gets vaccinated, Pregnant woman, she has no maternal fetal rights. Something happens to her or her baby, she's out of luck. This is extraordinary what Americans are doing. It's absolutely extraordinary what's being uh, thrust upon us now. So, you know, about 70% of my patients are vaccinated. I'm very pro vaccine. I've taken all the vaccines myself, about 70%, and they were all vaccinated in December, January, and February. But as we sit here today in May, we have over 4,000 vaccine related deaths and over 10,000 hospitalizations. The limit to shut down a program is about 25 to 50 deaths. Swine flu, 1976, 25 deaths, they shut down the program. It's not safe. This is far and away the most lethal, toxic, biologic agent ever injected into a human body in American history, and it's going strong with no mention of safety by our officials, with wild enthusiasm by our hospitals and hospital administrators, with doctors supporting it. Doctors are saying now they won't see patients in their waiting room without the vaccine. This problem, COVID-19, was actually from the very beginning. That's what Whitney Webb said. She goes, COVID-19 is actually about the vaccine. It's not about the virus, it's about the vaccine. Kids 12 years old told they can make their own decision on this? and it could be their fatal decision. Think about that. North Carolina just passed that. Oh, kids 12 years old can, make, can decide on their own. There are four, over 4,000 dead Americans. There's over 10,000 dead people in Europe that die on days one, two, and three after the vaccine. Why are we pushing this in a way where people's jobs and their education and their livelihood decide on a decision that's potentially fatal? The tension, you can cut it with a knife. There are parents that say, listen, I want my kid to go to college this year, but I don't want to lose him to the vaccine. They know what's going on. The internet is full of these cases, blood clots, strokes, immediate death. And so this, Mass vaccination is extraordinarily concerning. We never vaccinate into the middle of a pandemic, never. We've never had an effective vaccine for respiratory virus, including influenza, it's only modestly effective. We knew from the published data that the attack rates in placebo and the vaccine arms were less than 1%. So we know that the vaccine can have a less than 1% effect in the population. Why would it be any different than the clinical trials? Um, uh, we knew from the from the clinical trials that it didn't stop COVID-19, so people can get COVID-19 anyway. What would be this incredible drive to vaccinate everybody? And now, oh my Lord, now um, the vaccine within a few months has been completely weaponized. Now travel is related to the vaccine. People can't go to school without the vaccine. People are losing their jobs without the vaccine. Believe me, there is something very, very potent in this vaccine. It should be disturbing to everybody. The word vaccine ought to be the most disturbing word that they have seen. Based on the safety data now, I can no longer recommend it. I, I can't recommend it. It's past all the thresholds to being a safe product. It's not a safe product. None of them are. It's not just Johnson & Johnson. In fact, more of the safety events in the United States have occurred with Moderna and Pfizer. There are now papers written by prominent scientists calling for a worldwide halt in the program. There are prominent virologists many of them including nobel prize winners who have said listen if we vaccinate people and we create a very narrow incomplete library of immunity which is what the vaccine is the vaccines are all targeted to the original wuhan spike protein which is long gone that's extinct patients are getting vaccinated to something that doesn't even exist anymore that wuhan spike protein is gone we're hoping the immunity covers the other variants but that narrow immunity is a setup. It's just like giving everybody a narrow spectrum antibiotic. If you did that, what would happen? We'd grow up superbugs. There are warnings out there saying, don't do this. Don't vaccinate the entire world. All we're gonna do is set ourselves up for a superbug that's gonna really wipe out populations. So for many reasons, the vaccine, indiscriminate vaccination is a horrendous idea. And as a doctor and as a public citizen, I am extraordinarily concerned about the vaccine, the vaccine's not safe. Americans and people worldwide should be extraordinarily alarmed.
6: Has there been another vaccine that had the high incidence of uh, of serious uh, uh, hospitalizations and deaths that uh, this vaccine is is now showing?
0: Not, not to this
3: extent. Absolutely not.
6: Not even this one. Not, not, even, not close. even
3: close. Not even close.
6: Any other vaccine would have been pulled from the market?
3: Absolutely. It would have been pulled probably within the first few.
6: And have you seen any other vaccine that was put out for the public that skipped the animal test? Never before. And, and as I've what I've read, they actually started the animal test. And because the animals were dying, they stopped the test. Correct. Folks, I think that's important to understand there that, that what we're talking about is the American people are now the guinea pigs. This is the test program that's going on. They, they didn't do the human testing and they stopped the animal test because the animals were dying and then they turned it out for the public. And we are now looking at businesses that want to mandate that this experimental vaccine be given to people as a condition of their employment. And yet we have this death count that continues to rise and be totally ignored.
2: So ladies and gentlemen, that series of clips was courtesy of the America's Frontline Doctors AFLDS with a presentation on the scale of the COVID-19 injection efficacy lie. You can find that specific article on the American Frontline Doctors website titled Former Pfizer VP Clear Evidence of Fraud in Pfizer Study Claiming 95% Efficacy which was sourced directly from the Lancet Medical Journal's website. And then next was an earlier interview recording with CBSN Evening News anchor Nora O'Donnell with billionaire philanthropist Bill Gates dated 16 February 2021, followed by Dr. Peter McCulloch, internist, cardiologist, epidemiologist and professor of medicine. And then last but not least, uh, with clips. Was the testimony of Dr. Angelina Ferella, who's a paediatrician with 25 years' experience from Webster, Texas, before the Senate Committee on State Affairs, dated 8th of May, 2021 regarding the protection of children from the COVID-19 vaccines, which are a proven bioweapon with specific adverse reactions and death of myocarditis and pericarditis, which leads me to an email that I have not read for a long, long time. Uh, It dates right back to when I mentioned earlier that I was very, very ill with the swine flu when I was in Canada. This information is from Dr. Russell Blaylock, who is the author of the Blaylock Wellness Report Newsletter and is a nationally recognised board-certified neurosurgeon, health practitioner, author, and lecturer. Dr. Blaylock attended the Louisiana State University School of Medicine and completed his internship and neurological residency at the Medical University of South Carolina. For 26 years, Dr. Blaylock has practiced neurosurgery in addition to having a nutritional practice. He recently retired from his neurosurgical duties to devote his full attention to nutritional research. So, what is alarming is that he states that regarding the H1N1 vaccine back in 2009, well, he states the vaccine may be more dangerous than swine flu and it was proven to be absolutely true. The question, of course, was does the swine flu vaccine, the H1N1 flu vaccine, contain a deadly adjuvant? And the answer is yes, and the adjuvant is none other than MF-59, and this has two specific components known as squalene, which comes from sharks, and GP120. So I'm not going to spoon feed you everything, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm giving you enough information that when you start doing your own research, you are going to be very, very, very angry when you discover what I have been jumping up and down for almost 18 months. So Dr. Blaylock states here, the virus continues to be an enigma for virologists. The 30th of April, 2009 issue of Nature, a virologist was quoted as saying, where the hell it got all these genes from, we don't know. Extensive analysis of the virus found that it contained the original 1918 H1N1 flu virus, the avion flu virus, brackets, bird flu, and two new H3N2 virus genes from Eurasia. Debate continues over the possibility that swine flu is a genetically engineered virus. Well, we now know that it was, and we also know that the COVID-19 injections and the everything else attached to it was also engineered. Hence, of course, those remarkable uh, doctors and investigative journalists that published that paper at the end of 2020 regarding the fact that the COVID-19 injections are an unrestricted bioweapon. Naturally, vaccine manufacturers have been in a competitive battle to produce the first vaccine. The main contenders have been Baxter Pharmaceuticals and Novartis Pharmaceuticals, the latter of which recently acquired the scandal-ridden Chiron vaccine company, Chiron being spelt C-H-I-R-O-N. Both of these companies have had agreements with the World Health Organization to produce a pandemic vaccine. The Baxter vaccine, called Kelvapan has had fast-track approval. So I then ask myself, how did that happen, why did it happen, and when? It uses a new VeroCell technology which utilizes cultured cells from the African green monkey. So we need to ask the question, Is where in Africa does the monkey originate? And so, ladies and gentlemen, with a bit of digging, you'll actually learn the African green monkey is found in West Africa from Senegal, Gambia, all the way to the Volta River. An interesting little guy, but we'll, um, we'll leave that for another time. But moving along. So this same animal tissue transmits a number of vaccine-contaminating viruses, including the HIV virus, which of course was discovered by Professor Luc Montagnier, the Nobel Prize winner of 2008, in medicine for the discovery of the retrovirus HIV. The Baxter Company has been associated with two deadly scandals. The first event occurred in 2006 when haemophiliac components were contaminated with HIV virus and injected in tens of thousands of people including thousands of children. Baxter continued to release the HIV-contaminated vaccine even after the contamination was known. The second event occurred recently when it was discovered that Baxter had released a seasonal flu vaccine containing the bird flu virus, which would have produced a real-world pandemic to 18 countries. Fortunately, astute lab workers in the Czech Republic discovered the deadly combination and blew the whistle before a worldwide disaster was unleashed. Similar to what went on with the COVID business, ladies and gentlemen, where the inventor of the RT-PCR test, Kari Mullis, they get rid of him in August of 2019. And then in January, they get rid of Dr. Peter Salama, who was the head of UNICEF, Australia's leading epidemiologist followed by Dr. Frank Plummer, who was the Director General for the P4 Bioweapons Lab in Canada, and then they get rid of Ambassador Wei, who was the Chinese ambassador also found dead of a heart attack in Tel Aviv. His original posting, by the way, was in Ukraine, and that's, of course, where all this H1N1 research was going on. Bit of a coincidence? I think not. Anyway, despite these two deadly events, the World Health Organization maintains an agreement with Baxter Pharmaceuticals to produce the world's pandemic vaccine. Novartis, the second contender, also had an agreement with the WHO, Show for a pandemic vaccine. Nevadas appears to have won the contract since their vaccine is near completion. What is terrifying is that these pandemic vaccines contain ingredients called immune adjuvants that a number of studies have shown cause devastating autoimmune disorders, including rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis and lupus. Animal studies using this adjuvant have found them to be deadly. A study using 14 guinea pigs found that when they were injected with the special adjuvant, only one animal survived. A repeat of the study found the same deadly outcome. So what is the deadly ingredient? It is called squalene, a type of oil. The Chiron company maker of the deadly anthrax vaccine makes an adjuvant called MF-59, which contains two main ingredients of concern. One squalene and two GP120. A number of studies have shown that squalene can trigger all of the above-mentioned autoimmune diseases when injected. The MF-59 adjuvant has been used in several vaccines. These vaccines, including tetanus and diphtheria, are the same vaccines frequently associated with adverse reactions. It then goes on to say, I reviewed a number of studies on this adjuvant and found something quite interesting. Several studies done on human test subjects found MF-59 to be a very safe immune adjuvant but when I checked to see who did these studies I found to no surprise that they were done by the Novartis Pharmaceutical Company and Chiron Pharmaceutical Company, which have merged. They were all published in prestigious medical journals. Professor Yanides at University of Stanford in the United States blew the whistle on this stuff almost five years ago. This is what the big pharmaceutical companies have been doing, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They've been buying off the people to publish these journals that are absolute they're flat out lies. He goes on to say, also to no surprise a great number of studies done by independent laboratories and research institutions all found a strong link between MF-59 and autoimmune diseases. Squalene in vaccines has been strongly linked to the Gulf War Syndrome. On August 1991, Anthony Principi, Secretary of Veterans Affairs admitted that soldiers vaccinated with the anthrax vaccine from 1990 to 1991 had an increased risk of 200% in developing the deadly disease amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or ALS, also called Lou Gehrig's disease. The soldiers also suffered from a number of debilitating and life shortening diseases such as polyarteritis, nodosa, multiple sclerosis, MS, lupus, transverse myelitis and neurological disorder, caused by inflammation of the spinal cord, endocarditis, inflammation of the heart's inner lining, and optic neuritis with blindness and glomerulonephritis, a type of kidney disease. Because squalene, the main ingredient in MF-59, can induce hyperimmune responses and induce autoimmunity a real danger exists for prolonged activation of the brain's immune cells the microglia and he goes on and on and it's just it's where where is it going to end ladies and gentlemen i mean where is it going to end He finishes off with regard to the GP120. He states, So how would the GP120 get into the brain? Studies of other immune adjuvants using careful tracer techniques have shown that they routinely enter the brain following vaccination. What most people do not know, even the doctors who recommend the vaccines, is that most such studies by pharmaceutical companies observe the patients for only one or two weeks following vaccination. These types of reactions may take months or even years to manifest. It is obvious that the vaccine manufacturers stand to make billions of dollars in profits from this World Health Organization government-promoted pandemic. Novartis, the maker of the new pandemic vaccine, recently announced that they would not give free vaccines to impoverished nations. Everybody pays. One must keep in mind that once this vaccine is injected, there is little you can do to protect yourself, at least by conventional medicine. It will mean a lifetime of crippling illness and early death. Ladies and gentlemen, it is absolutely frightening what is going on, absolutely frightening. I've got emails after emails from doctors, scientists, specific to the H1N1 fraud that was committed in 2009. And here we are doing it again in 2021 that really began at the end of 2019. But what's interesting is that with regard to the H1N1, and more specifically that component MF-59, the side effects by likelihood and severity are on a list that I was presented with as well, ranging from common side effects, to infrequent side effects, to rare side effects. And everything that is on those lists matches 100% with the adverse reactions for COVID-19 injections, in particular Pfizer and Moderna. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm now going to present you with a immediate release publication from the Office of Public Affairs through the US Department of Justice dated Wednesday, 2nd of September 2009, around the time of the H1N1. And this is where the Justice Department announced its largest healthcare fraud settlement in its history against Pfizer, who had to pay out $2.3 billion for fraudulent marketing. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, here it is.
0: U.S. Department of Justice. Information authorized by the Office of Public Affairs. Dated Wednesday, September 2, 2009. Document Heading, Justice Department Announces Largest Healthcare Fraud Settlement in Its History. US Department of Justice criminal and civil court proceedings result in Pfizer to pay 2.3 billion dollars for fraudulent marketing. Location: Washington DC. American pharmaceutical giant Pfizer Incorporated and its subsidiary Pharmacia and Upjohn Company Incorporated, hereinafter together Pfizer, have agreed to pay $2.3 billion, the largest healthcare fraud settlement in the history of the Department of Justice, to resolve criminal and civil liability arising from the illegal promotion of certain pharmaceutical products, the Justice Department announced September 2, 2009. Pharmacia and Upjohn Company has agreed to plead guilty to a felony violation of the Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act for misbranding Bextra with the intent to defraud or mislead. Bextra is an anti-inflammatory drug that Pfizer pulled from the market in 2005. Under the provisions of the Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act, a company must specify the intended uses of a product in its new drug application to FDA, once approved the drug may not be marketed or promoted for so-called off-label uses i.e any use not specified in an application and approved by fda pfizer promoted the sale of Bextra for several uses and dosages that the fda specifically declined to approve due to safety concerns the company will pay a criminal fine of 1.195 billion dollars the largest criminal fine ever imposed in the united states for any matter Pharmacia and Upjohn will also forfeit $105 million, for a total criminal resolution of $1.3 billion. In addition, Pfizer has agreed to pay $1 billion to resolve allegations under the Civil False Claims Act that the company illegally promoted four drugs, Bextra, Geodon, an antipsychotic drug, Zyvox, an antibiotic, and Lyrica, an antiepileptic drug, and caused false claims to be submitted to government healthcare programs for uses that were not medically accepted indications and therefore not covered by those programs. The civil settlement also resolves allegations that Pfizer paid kickbacks to healthcare providers to induce them to prescribe these, as well as other, drugs. The federal share of the civil settlement is $668,514,830, and the state Medicaid share of the civil settlement is $331,485,170. This is the largest civil fraud settlement in history against a pharmaceutical company. As part of the settlement, Pfizer also has agreed to enter into an expansive corporate integrity agreement with the Office of Inspector General of the Department of Health and Human Services. That agreement provides for procedures and reviews to be put in place to avoid and promptly detect conduct similar to that which gave rise to this matter. Whistleblower lawsuits filed under the CATAM provisions of the False Claims Act that are pending in the District of Massachusetts, the Eastern District of Pennsylvania and the Eastern District of Kentucky triggered this investigation. As a part of today's resolution, six whistleblowers will receive payments totaling more than $102 million from the federal share of the civil recovery. The U.S. Attorney's Offices for the District of Massachusetts, the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, and the Eastern District of Kentucky and the Civil Division of the Department of Justice handled these cases. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Massachusetts led the criminal investigation of Bextra The investigation was conducted by the Office of Inspector General for the Department of Health and Human Services, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Defense Criminal Investigative Service, the Office of Criminal Investigations for the Food and Drug Administration, the Veterans Administration's Office of Criminal Investigations, the Office of the Inspector General for the Office of Personnel Management, the Office of the Inspector General for the United States Postal Service, the national association of medicaid fraud control units and the offices of various state attorneys general today's landmark settlement is an example of the department of justice's ongoing and intensive efforts to protect the american public and recover funds for the federal treasury and the public from those who seek to earn a profit through fraud It shows one of the many ways in which federal government, in partnership with its state and local allies, can help the American people at a time when budgets are tight and healthcare costs are increasing, said Associate Attorney General Tom Pirelli. This settlement is a testament to the type of broad, coordinated effort among federal agencies and with our state and local partners that is at the core of the Department of Justice's approach to law enforcement. This historic settlement will return nearly $1 billion to Medicare, Medicaid, and other government insurance programs, securing their future for the Americans who depend on these programs," said Kathleen Sebelius, secretary of Department of Health and Human Services. The Department of Health and Human Services will continue to seek opportunities to work with its government partners to prosecute fraud wherever we can find it. But we will also look for new ways to prevent fraud before it happens. Healthcare is too important to let a single dollar go to waste. Illegal conduct and fraud by pharmaceutical companies puts the public health at risk, corrupts medical decisions by healthcare providers, and costs the government billions of dollars, said Tony West, assistant attorney general for the Civil Division. This civil settlement and plea agreement by Pfizer represent yet another example of what penalties will be faced when a pharmaceutical company puts profits ahead of patient welfare. The size and seriousness of this resolution, including the huge criminal fine of $1.3 billion, reflect the seriousness and scope of Pfizer's crimes," said Mike Lauks, acting United States Attorney for the District of Massachusetts. Pfizer violated the law over an extensive time period. Furthermore, at the very same time Pfizer was in our office negotiating and resolving the allegations of criminal conduct by its then newly acquired subsidiary, Warner Lambert, Pfizer was itself in its other operations violating those very same laws. Today's enormous fine demonstrates that such blatant and continued disregard of the law will not be tolerated. Although these types of investigations are often long and complicated and require many resources to achieve positive results, the Federal Bureau of Investigation will not be deterred from continuing to ensure that pharmaceutical companies conduct business in a lawful manner, said Kevin Perkins of the Federal Bureau of Investigation Assistant Director, Criminal Investigative Division. This resolution protects the Food and Drugs Administration in its vital mission of ensuring that drugs are safe and effective. When manufacturers undermine the FDA's rules, they interfere with a doctor's judgment and can put patient health at risk, commented Michael L. Levy, United States Attorney for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. The public trusts companies to market their drugs for uses that FDA has approved, and trusts that doctors are using independent judgment. Federal health dollars should only be spent on treatment decisions untainted by misinformation from manufacturers concerned with the bottom line, This settlement demonstrates the ongoing efforts to pursue violations of the False Claims Act and recover taxpayer dollars for the Medicare and Medicaid programs, noted Jim Zerhusen, United States Attorney for the Eastern District of Kentucky. This historic settlement emphasizes the government's commitment to corporate and individual accountability and to transparency throughout the pharmaceutical industry, said Daniel R. Levinson, Inspector General of the United States Department of Health and Human Services. The Corporate Integrity Agreement requires senior Pfizer executives and board members to complete annual compliance certifications and opens Pfizer to more public scrutiny by requiring it to make detailed disclosures on its website. We expect this agreement to increase integrity in the marketing of pharmaceuticals. The off-label promotion of pharmaceutical drugs by Pfizer significantly impacted the integrity of Tricare, the Department of Defense's healthcare system, said Sharon Woods, Director, Defense Criminal Investigative Service. This illegal activity increases patients' costs, threatens their safety, and negatively affects the delivery of healthcare services to the over 9 million military members, retirees, and their families who rely on this system. Today's charges and settlement demonstrate the ongoing commitment of the Defense Criminal Investigative Service and its law enforcement partners to investigate and prosecute those that abuse the government's healthcare programs at the expense of the taxpayers and patients. Federal employees deserve healthcare providers and suppliers, including drug manufacturers, that meet the highest standards of ethical and professional behavior, said Patrick E. McFarland, Inspector General of the U.S. Office of Personnel Management. Today's settlement reminds the pharmaceutical industry that it must observe those standards and reflects the commitment of federal law enforcement organizations to pursue improper and illegal conduct that places healthcare consumers at risk. Healthcare fraud has a significant financial impact on the Postal Service. This case alone impacted more than 10,000 postal employees on workers' compensation who were treated with these drugs, said Joseph Finn, special agent in charge for the Postal Service's Office of Inspector General. Last year the Postal Service paid more than $1 billion in workers' compensation benefits to postal employees injured on the job.
2: You just can't make it up folks, I mean there it is a $2.3 billion dollar settlement for fraudulent marketing from pfizer in 2009 and this was all around the time of the h1n1 swine flu vaccine and then of course if you do some digging into the department of justice with all of the the shenanigans that's been going on you'll find out that GlaxoSmithKline also had to plead guilty and pay three billion dollars to resolve fraud allegations and failure to report safety data it was back in july of 2012. These are the same players, that old saying like that film called The Usual Suspects. I I just don't know where to begin, folks. I really don't. But listen, here's a short clip of the ending of the Department of Justice when they were doing the press release back in September 2009 through C-SPAN. Are they all company employees?
11: Come here for the same
2: answer.
11: (laughs) We'll We'll try and get that answer
2: for you. The fourth settlement against Pfizer this decade, how are Americans supposed to trust this company moving forward?
11: Well, I think as uh, the inspector general uh, discussed, we have a, really a path-breaking uh, corporate integrity agreement, which I think is going to be a, a foundation for ensuring uh, that we can have that we will have uh, confidence in the future. But it's going to require uh, an enormous amount of uh, monitoring by the government, and I know the inspector general's offices at, the, at HHS uh, will be uh, spending a lot of time working with Pfizer to make sure that they comply. Uh, and. You know, we will will continue to rely on the tools that we have, Ktam statute as well as uh, other federal statutes. Uh, and you know, this question about focus on enforcement, I will I will say this that uh, from Attorney General Holder on down, healthcare fraud is a very significant priority, and we are we are uh, putting uh, very significant resources to ensure that we can uh, recover funds uh, in the healthcare area as well as the broader fraud areas wherever we can.
7: Pfizer wasn't the only pharmaceutical, can <coughs>
11: you name any others that are being investigated? Uh, I'm, we're not going to comment on any ongoing investigations. So.
7: Talk about whether there are doctors being um, looked at as part of the, as, you know,
4: sidebar for this investigation,
11: the check uh, Like I said, the, the focus of the investigation has been on, on Pfizer and then particular
2: individuals. What a mess, mess and ladies and gentlemen, what a mess. So hopefully you were able to digest all of that information. Uh, I don't apologize for the in-depth drops that are being given because this is way overdue. If we had all been paying attention from many, many years back, I highly doubt we would be where we are today. So Pfizer was ordered back in 2009 to pay $2.3 billion to settle charges of promoting its drugs for users not approved by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. So Pfizer Incorporated, which is currently promoting the mRNA vaccine, was accused in 2009, as you've heard, of fraudulent marketing. So the American pharmaceutical giant Pfizer then agrees to pay the 2.3 billion, the largest healthcare fraud settlement in the entire history of the DOJ in the United States to resolve criminal and civil liability arising from the illegal promotion of certain pharmaceutical products. And then of course, Pfizer, in 2009 agrees to plead guilty to a felony violation of the food drug and cosmetic act and that is the big pharma company which is now marketing the unapproved mrna vaccine as invented by dr rob malone which has already resulted in countless deaths and injuries we're talking adverse reactions and injuries in the millions and let's not forget the deaths of the children that they've managed to jab it into and then of course pfizer was put on probation by the usdoj And so as part of the settlement, Pfizer also had agreed back then in 2009 to enter into an expansive corporate integrity agreement with the Office of Inspector General of the Department of Health and Health Services. And that agreement was supposed to provide for procedures and reviews to be put in place to avoid and promptly detect conduct similar to that which gave rise to this matter that we're dealing with today. The fake pandemic, the scandemic, all of the garbage from Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson. It doesn't matter. You call it the Easter bunny, but this is who we're dealing with. And it's all tied into the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that is the tip of the spear with all of these other little pharmaceutical companies underneath them. I mean it's it's just it's ridiculous it truly is ladies and gentlemen i mean where are the bloody lawyers for heaven's sake doing their jobs because the one thing that i'm keeping a very close eye on there are very few court cases around the world where people are actually getting the detail out there across in the courts to the juries to the judges so that we can get these bastards and have them hanged because they've effectively committed high treason because they're in absolute breach of the nuremberg code of article 6 and article 10. i mean the questions are things like corporate integrity and where are the procedures and reviews where are they so that same conduct by pfizer is being repeated in 2020 and 2021 right now in the last 18 months on a much larger scale than that of 2009 because it's global And what is unfolding is the worldwide fraudulent marketing of an unapproved vaccine. And that concludes our podcast this evening, ladies and gentlemen. But I want to leave you with a final quote from Frederick Douglass from 1845. And he says, If there is no struggle, there is no progress. And those who profess to favour freedom and yet depreciate agitation are men who want crops without ploughing up the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning. They want the ocean without the awful roar of its many waters. This struggle may be a moral one, or it may be a physical one, or it may be both moral and physical, but it must be a struggle. Power concedes nothing without demand. It never did, and it never will. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Grace Stanton. Until next week, take care and good night.
0: That's this week's podcast episode of Life Down Under. Don't forget to join Gray Stanton next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.